It's the Tillcast episode 555. Cricket Hydra. Five. And this, and this week, guys, we talk more Remnant 2. Five. The new Baldur's Gate 3. Five. And some weird Baldur's Gate news. Stay tuned. Five headed Hydra. Chuck Christian. Chuck a chair. And we're back. Woo! Oh, crap. I can. Um, hold on a second. Got it. Woohoo. <laughs> Justin didn't have his camera on. We can't see the cue. Ah. Uh, oh, I, I do have my camera on. You do? Yeah. I'm not looking. It's still cast. We're back. It's an M rated show. It's August 5th, uh, 78 degrees at 3.01 p.m. Central Time. I'm Nas. I'm Jason. I am late to the party. Uh, Rusty. And it's 87, sir. He it's, says 78. It's, I wish it were 78. It's 78 here. It's 80 here. Woo-hoo. In the Northlands. It is uh, still raining where I'm at. No, oh, well, that's why it hasn't stopped raining at your house yet. Yeah. Mm. It's been 100 all week, so this is like a cold front. You needed it. A cold it is. Front, that is. But then right behind it is all the humidity, nice and sticky. Mm. Yes, it's very good. Very good indeed. We had, we had a storm. <laughs> the storm came through with a, with a vengeance, man. It went from sunny and 95 degrees in the Northlands to overcast. You look up into the sky and that, and you just look at the clouds and you're like, that doesn't seem right. And then all of a sudden, like freaking 60 mile an hour winds, thunderstorm for five minutes, double rainbow, and then back to sunny again. It was, it was pretty epic. I mean, it, it came through. Wow, um, you guys just, you guys don't really generally have thunderstorms like that up there. Yeah, we, every so often. In the summertime, it's kind of, well, this summer's been, it's been pretty shitty for, uh, for rain. Normally we get fairly regular, you know, waves of rain that come across the Great Lakes. But this summer, no. And because Canada is burning, uh, all we do is, we we just we did just deal with the haze. It's it's constantly smoky around here. Nuts. Oh, is Alberta on fire? I mean, most of Canada's been on fire for most of the summer, so I mean Yeah, since June. When yeah, uh, Diablo four came out, one of my employees who doesn't even really know I'm a gamer, right? But lives in New York, she sent me a picture and it was the Lilith promotion that said, Welcome to hell. And behind it was the orange sun. <laughs> yeah, the I knew sky. like a, a lot of French Canada and Quebec was on fire because that's where a lot of the New York haze was coming from. I didn't realize Alberta was too. But well, it's, yeah, she's in Queens, yeah. and like the air quality was like in the high three hundreds, low four hundreds. So like we were letting a few people off work to get out of town because it was so bad. Damn, but it was pretty intense. 
I sympathize with my New York people. I was like, yeah, this is pretty messed up. I mean, right now, the uh, air quality index is 103. That's not bad. It's not bad. It's not great either. It, uh, it's the, not 407. <laughs> it's not 407, no. But like on a on a normal day, you know, it shouldn't be nearly that high. Yeah, it's usually in like the 30s or 50s here, if that. Yeah, so I'm I'm actually actively hunting for that picture because I, I saved it. So it's like that's like the, very ironic. The air quality index in Tulsa right now is like 11. Uh, so <laughs> okay, even lower than I thought. Right, so it's it's not bad <laughs> compared to up well, here. There we go. Well, and then Tulsa it depends on what part of Tulsa you're in. Like, if you live over near the uh, uh, what? the refinery near the near the refinery where I'm at. Yeah, you generally add 15 to whatever the number is, because... Anywhere between 17 and 4 is what I'm seeing on the map right now. And that is... That's that's what's around you. It's... This is a normal day for us in the north, and it's, like, in the nine, uh, 90s to low 100s. Yeah, And it's been that bad. way all... Yeah, and this is just a, a normal day. Like it was, it was so hazy a couple weeks back that it looked like fog during the middle of the day. It was, it's nuts. Did you see that picture I just sent you guys? Yeah, I, I saw that picture before. Like I saw that picture the day that it was taken. Yeah, it's, yeah, I mean, it's not that bad. <laughs> but that was, uh, that was a combination of, the right time of day, the right lighting, you know? Right. But, but yeah, it's, it's just, yeah, just a thing. Like we need, you know, Canada needs a lot of rain right now. <laughs> uh, and yeah, yeah we've and, been, and we've been getting it down here a good part of the summer. And we're still in fucking drought conditions. Like as far as, or corn harvest and stuff. Mm-hmm. Just because it's been so hot and dry the last month. Like, we went from extremely wet to extremely fucking dry for the last five weeks. Nuts. You mean you haven't had to, uh, to uh, unpump your freaking uh, your uh, swimming pool? pump out that shit out you know into your lawn no that that was i don't even i've never even got my pool set up but that was like a june problem for for justin yeah i've actually not an august problem (laughs) i had an issue last week where just due to all the wind storms like my branches got real low and i had to take a pole saw and cut them down because the branches kind of half broken and weighed down and then like really bloomed out grew like it felt like overnight they grew like three feet and they were just like sitting in the top of the pool like the leaves were just all the way in the pool and i had an algae problem for about a week like it wasn't about there wasn't enough algae side in the world for me to kill it all so like 
ended up running my filter and flushing my filter every single day and then adding water and then adding chemicals. And it was, it's been a nightmare all week. And I was hoping to jump in today, but it's been raining. So starting from ground zero again. Anywho. Yeah, because you're going to have to shock it right after this rain's over. Yeah, it's not over Just for to like make two sure or three. you don't got to fight algae. It's not going to be over for like two or three days. Got a lot of, it's not going to get over 95 for like the next three or four days. I mean, which is good. We needed the break from the 110 plus degree heat indexes. Yeah, it, the only thing is like it's made, I didn't seed my lawn with, and you know, insect killer. So I've had like a crazy cricket problem the last like four or five days where I'm finding crickets in my house and it's just driving me nuts. Like the other night I heard a chirping. I'm like going to sleep. I got to go to work the next morning. Right. And then I'm hearing the chirp. And I was like, that sounds louder than normal. That's in my fucking closet. <laughs> and, uh, turn the light on. It's like midnight. I'm looking in there with a flashlight Fucking cricket. So I, I killed find them fuckers. So I killed the cricket and I killed him and then two more jumped out. I was like, there's two more. So I killed them. And then I went to Wait. bed last night and found another one in my closet. Killed it. Like they're just like spawning in my closet. Well, yeah, the they you probably laid eggs while they were in there. The, the way you described that it was like a fucking hydra. You killed one and it just popped into two. <laughs> and two more came out. <laughs> Holy like, shit. It's the the invasion of the cricket hydra. Pretty soon he's trying to kill 60 crickets. Like, uh, no, I mean, it's been, they're not it's like... been nuts over here too because I I never got mine, mine done either. So we've been fighting. Luckily, we never really had an ant problem but because uh, it stayed a little too wet for that during the like, quote, ant season. But um like, it'd be like worse. the last week we've had issues with spiders and with uh um beetles in the house getting in the house yeah, it could be worse it could be like fucking wasps and shit like a, a cricket you literally can just grab a paper dowel and go squish it and throw it in the trash you know like but yeah there if it was a spider i'd just be like and now i'm looking for a new house yeah, I was. I burned the last one down. How'd you burn the last one down? I found a spider. I found a nest of spiders. I killed one and two popped out. <laughs> well, I say, other than that, though, that's a nightmare. We've uh, we have definitely played some video games. Before I jump in, Jason, you've been mostly camping the last week or so, right? Yep. Which means, like, not well. That was week before this week and then this week i basically spent all week catching up from the fact that we were camping all the week before so i haven't played gotten to play a whole lot but i did at least i was like we're having one thing of fun and i took uh took the boy just the boy and he and i went and watched uh Spider-Man across the Spider-Verse while the girls went and watched Barbie <laughs> on Sunday. Yeah, good split. Let the little mom take them to Barbie and let you go do some some boy things. Exactly. Good split. Um, I mean, it's not like you could have taken them to Oppenheimer. No. No. 
Still really want to see that movie, though. Um, so he and I went and did that. And that movie was actually pretty damn, pretty damn good. I mean, I like, I still like the first one better. Um, basically, this one, without spoiling anything, is basically all um, set up for the next movie. It literally says to be continued at the end. Yeah, they know they're onto something um, because you can. It's something you can bring smaller kids to, you know. Yeah, but the problem with that is now the third movie's delayed indefinitely because of the writers and actors' strikes. Yeah, yeah, but that's eventual. Like, it's gonna, it's gonna go away. I mean, yes, I, I get it. This has happened before, and they'll come. This to has happened before, yes, and they'll come to an agreement. Like it's happened before since we've podcasted. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. Like, maybe twice since oh, we yeah. started this show. Um, well, with writers, yes. Um, Screen Actors Guild joining in, no. Yeah. But, yeah. They'll find a resolution at some point. We'll let the rich people battle it out, and they'll figure something out. Yeah, pretty much. I mean, their big issues right now are just all the AI shit. And, of course, increased pay, because everybody wants increased pay. I mean, we'll let them fight that out because the the damn movie theater is ridiculous. I make good money and I don't want to spend a fact. If I wanted to have a movie date, like it's going to cost me like $60 to go to a movie date. Yeah. And when you get, well, I've got, I still have know, cheap man mentality a lot. So like, I can't justify that. Like there's so many other things I can do with 60 hours and two hours of entertainment. Yeah. Well, the reality is the theaters have gotten so expensive the last 15 years because mostly because of streaming services. Uh, trying to make up that lost revenue. But yeah, it's it's yeah, it's fucking expensive to go to a theater right now. Like I don't I have to re I haven't been to a theater since we all saw Thor last summer. And I don't I don't know if you're with me or not. But I was with the other gaming crew. And yep. we saw Thor. Was there. Yeah, 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 yeah. You did come. That's the last time I was in a theater. Like, I mean, for other oh, reasons, that... I get free pay-per-view at home. So, like, it's kind of yeah. hard to justify it. And then I also don't watch movies. I play a lot of video games. And I've got other hobbies that take up my time. So, it's just like, all right, what do I want to do today? Well, today, I want to play a lot of Baldur's Gate 3 and podcast. So, I got all of my chores done before today happened. So that I would have that time. But, you know, I do that. And then really the last few months have gotten really heavy into doing photos again. That takes up a lot of time. So where's that extra two hours? You know? where's Where do I want to spend that extra two hours? Right. So for me, it's a time yeah. thing. Um, and well, well, and you've never been a big, big TV and movie person. Um, like I used to be. Not you so much. used to be bigger into movies, but I not to... nearly as big as like me and Trent are. No, when it, me and Trent were roommates when we first started the show, uh, me and him watched TV all the time. Um, and I like watching TV or movies with people because I want to bounce off like what happened with somebody, you know. And when yeah. you don't have somebody to bounce that off of, then it's doesn't work. So you know, um, that's why. Like Thor was great watching it with everybody in theater because you know 
I think about all of us went off whenever the goats started screaming every right. fucking time. I kind of like the goat, <laughs> but I mean, that was, yeah. Uh, and then I tried, uh, uh, watching it like just with the kids and they didn't find the goat screaming as funny. So it just made the movie boring. It was, it's a, it was a, it's a meme. I mean, that, they overdid it for me. It the goat screaming was just they did. It was fine the first time. They maybe they, the second time, but it was just overdone. I think I found it funny when they used that in Wasteland too. They had the screaming goats. Mm-hmm. Um, so I guess since then I've been into the stupid goat scream because it sounds like yeah. a Wilhelm scream. And now finally. Um... Uh, Crystal decided she was in a place to watch Last of Us, so we started watching that this week. It's not bad. It's a lot of the reason why I didn't get any gaming done, because that's been an episode or two a night. Yeah. Uh, I, my critique of Last of Us is there needed to be more monsters. Like, the story, the writing's pretty fucking solid, and it follows the theme and a lot of what happens in the game. But there's not the game is moment to moment survival, and there's a lot less of that in the show than there is in the the game. I I agree. They could have had. Uh, I the, I wouldn't want to st- see a whole lot more fighting with the clickers, but there could have been more of it. Well, you'll That's realize even sure. most of it's in the beginning episodes. But the uh, yeah, if we're gonna give it a tilt cast scale after finishing it, it's like a. It's one of the best game adaption shows in the fact that people like my boss, who has no interest at all in video games aside from Animal Crossing, nor even knew it was a video game adaptation, was pretty impressed with it. So in that, it succeeds. But just as a whole, comparing it to kind of what I wanted to see, which would have been slaying of clickers, if there had been more slaying of clickers, it would have been a good four out of four and a half out of five. But for me, it's a four out of five because it's got a it's got a very cohesive well done story but just not and, enough of the coolness that is last of us which is that real but, crazy tension that's in the the game but it does do what i was hoping they would do with it though and give you a little bit more of it, a little bit more expansion on uh the side characters that you saw in the game that you ran to in, into in the game um and a little bit more background as to what's going on with the fungus, etc. Yeah, they do. They do a good um, job of that. They do a really good job of that, and that's what that's what I felt they needed to do with the show to really um, to make it successful. Not just be the exact exact uh, beat for beat story bits of the game, and they do do a good job of that. Um, man, that first episode's just as hard for me to watch as it is to play through. Yeah, they do a good job of that uh, too. <laughs> like, I could, I had to start looking at stuff on my phone because I knew it was coming, and I was like, "Oh, I can't, can't, get, I can't, can't directly mis- watch this. Can't get misty eyed in front of the the women and children." <laughs> I can't directly watch this happen. I can watch the aftermath, but I can't directly watch it happen, please. Yeah. Well, 
That aside, did you get any gaming in in the last week or so? Not really a whole lot, no. Uh, I did uh, yesterday and today end up having to do um, uh, test all of my install games because uh, uh, I fucked up. Um, You know, when you in the current Windows landscape, sometimes when you turn on your PC, uh, you get that that damn introduction screen to Windows 11 with them wanting you to upgrade, right? <laughs> um, so you did. I was I was moving a little too fast on the keyboard, hit tab one too many times, and hit enter way too damn quickly, and ended up installing the fucker. that's too bad you know you can go back right i can but i decided fuck since i did it i might as well for science for science for science you can't go back after a certain period of time (laughs) so uh push through on it test everything and see how stable it is and if i don't and to be honest, I haven't really found any problem with it. Um, um, you haven't found any problems with Windows 11? No. Well, that's that's fine because, uh, well, it's not it's not terrible. <laughs> it's actually, yeah. you know, the stuff that you know that was uh, a big problem with Windows 11 has been kind of ironed out. So. You should be able to, you know, to game on Windows 11 just fine. Well, I work on it, so it's it's not terrible. The only problem I have with Windows 11 is not due to gaming. It's due to the fact that, when, you know, Microsoft likes to put things in multiple different places, and they don't function the same in the other places that they put it. Yeah, that's the... That's the only thing I really see wrong with it is it is worse than about that than Windows 10 was. Yeah, they're um, trying to you know trying to do away with the stuff that power users are used to, and to make it easier for just the average user. And that's you know, and we, we don't need any of that. Yeah. But whatever. That's yeah, just the IT and me to you know complaining about certain things. Like I don't, I don't necessarily like change when it comes to the operating system. So, you know, if it gives you, it gives me intangible, you know, feature that, you know, like it gives me a, you know, better FPSs. All right, I understand. Okay, I'll, I'll, I'll suffer through the changes. But. That, that is one thing I did, uh, test and did notice. Uh, Windows 10 does a better job with HDR management or Windows 11 does a better job with HDR management than Windows 10 did. You mean it so it like doesn't have the weird sync issues that HDR does with it Windows 10? Uh, not that I've noticed so I, far, no. I routinely, so like I play with HDR sometimes, right? And when it works, it's great. What happens is it like desyncs sometimes 
um, after you exit an application you're using HDR with. And then I've got to restart my video drivers, which in my case, I have an application on that literally just does that. It restarts my video drivers. So then it means I got to like black my screen out for a second and then resync. But it, it drives me nuts. So it it looks better. But the problem of going through it to get it to work usually dissuades me from ever even messing with it. Like it gives me better blacks and better contrast. But I'm just at this point, I'm just like. Fuck a duck. Like every single time I use this motherfucking feature, like it's like it's a it's a dice roll if it's going to work or not. Um, or if I'm going to end up like getting frustrated with it because I'm the picture's desyncing. And then I have to restart the whole machine in order to get it to resync. Part of that, I think, has to do with. Um, there is an issue. So like HDMI 2.1 is supposed to support HDR in, what is it, 24-bit color or something like that? Yeah. And, like, DisplayPort does do it better. The problem is, is that my TV, do port, TV does not have DisplayPort, and just getting an adapter, of course, isn't going to make a difference, right? It's still running through an HDMI connection. So they've been supposed to update this driver forever with Windows to make it work correctly with HDMI to produce HDR correctly, but it just... It's never quite worked. It works on my consoles. Doesn't work very well on my PC. And it's always pissed me off. Yeah. <laughs> now, that said, I've not seen that issue with my, um, uh, you know, my 17-inch HDR monitor that I have as a secondary monitor, right? Um, I've not extensively... Like, I've not run it for several hours on the big TV yet. I still have to do that to know for sure whether or not that issue is completely gone. But before, I was seeing that even on the 17-inch display. I mean, I had the TCL 55-inch. Um, and I'm not inch. seeing it now. I had the TCL 55-inch had that issue, and then I, my 65-inch OLED also has the exact same issue. Like, yeah. it's not the TV. It's just the way that Windows handles HDR over HDMI. Like, yeah. I've switched, you know, I've I've spent $50 on additional cables thinking it was the HDMI cable. Nope. It's just how it works. So, it is solved on the 17. I will let you know once I've run the run it on the 65-inch TV for a couple hours to know whether or not it's well still doing it on that or not. Out of the three superstar games that we've had this summer, because we've had some some bangers this summer, so mm -hmm. much so that I'm not playing other things. Um, like Diablo 4 is the only one, and you can barely tell the difference with HDR versus no HDR. Remnant 2 doesn't support HDR to my knowledge, and neither does Baldur's Gate 3. And boy, do me and Rusty have some things to say about those two games. So I'm going to dive <laughs> into that. Um, Remnant 2, um, I'm almost finished with a solo run. How far are you into it right now, Rusty? Beat the game last night. Oh, damn. Yeah. So what is what power level did you end at? Nineteen. Okay. And so is the Ash World always the last world? The I guess minor spoiler. That doesn't really yeah, tell you much, but the yeah, yeah, the that that's the last world. Yep. Okay. You is end there, up getting into a you know, a, a boss fight, of course, at the end. Is there multiple zones in that world so that you got a little ways to go? Um, you do have to go a little bit of, uh, a little ways. I think there's like I did a, a few mini bosses that you do, you know, you 
have to go through to get to the uh, the last boss. When you get to the last boss, you'll know it's uh it's it's pretty apparent. Okay, yeah, I've I've got through one boss encounter in that area, and then Baldur's Gate was dropping the next day, so I beat that and then picked up Baldur's Gate. But so far, like if you know what Remnant One was, right? For the uninitiated, and I'll just say this: we were even talking about this last night during name night. But Remnant One is a game that's like it's like Elden Gears, right? It's like kind of like Gears of War. You know, it's a third-person shooter with melee mechanics, so you have a melee weapon and you can use that, right? And you scour the map and looking for clues and for, in the first one, there wasn't as many puzzles, but there's some. But you're looking for clues for the puzzles. You're looking for additional equipment that you can find. And then you're killing enemies for scrap that you use to upgrade your stuff. In the first one, you'd upgrade your armor plus your weapons. And in the second one, it's just the weapons. Right. Um, the first one, I think, did a little bit better in that most boss encounters had a couple of different ways to kill them to get different loot tiers or loot drops. It does it some with Remnant 2. I don't know if how different it is between bosses um, to get it, different loot drops. But It was uh, all of the the major world bosses had two different ways to do it. Maybe uh, there to, still is that, and I just didn't notice. There, there are some of those, uh, you know, like variant and, you know, endings to, uh, to the bosses that you, you know, that you found. And a lot of what happens with remnant, both one and two is that the, uh, the runs are randomized every time you run it, you know, run it, it's going to be a little bit different. Yeah. And, um, and it picks out different worlds for you to explore, but like the first one was very root based and very, uh, Elden God kind of themed. Mm -hmm. And this one has a lot more variety to the enemies and the environments, I think, and a lot higher fidelity to the enemies and environments. Oh, yeah. Well, fidelity is great. I mean, the the environments themselves look great. The sound is, you know, the uh, sound is spot on. Um, you know, the... Uh, the melee feels better in this one, too. I think the melee's... Uh, uh, the melee's all right. I'm not super, uh, super keen on the stagger system, is. It always feels better when you when you do have a melee weapon that does like stop the you know the smaller enemies attacks um so that you can actually get off like a melee combo those are you know those feel good but if as soon as you change your weapon to that has less stagger on it um you notice it almost immediately you can't really you know get a full combo out before you have to dodge or you end up taking more hits yeah, um, and every melee weapon kind of has a different move set or different way of using it. So, like for example, I've been using these claws this whole game, right? And mm -hmm. I just recently started using that staff that does the slow time stuff. Um, the claws, the best strategy was to sprint and then hit, and it would give you a heavy attack essentially. And in a lot of instances, would one hit kill the smaller enemies just with that running slash, basically. Mm -hmm. So I'd do that, or I'd run up on a group, hit them, and then I have a mod that gives me a shield when I'm hitting stuff with melee and connecting. So it would protect me from damage while I was doing that, and then now I've got life steal, so it's like even crazier. But um, but yeah, like we were, we were, me and you were dicking around with it, and we found a combo where like if you did the dodge without a direction and then hit the attack, you got a whole alternate move set with the uh, melee weapon. Mm hmm. So, but like, 
overall, like I kept saying, like we've been playing it off and on together for the last couple of weeks. I kept saying like, damn, this is a good game. Yeah. Like it's, it's it just keeps hitting you like that too. It's, you know, it's, it is a good game though. I've run into a bit of a, you know, a like a, 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 not a roadblock, but you know, just, I think it gets stale after a minute. So it's one of those, uh, it's it's a game that's good for a couple run-throughs, uh, but it's not quite as uh, as deep as I initially thought it was. It looks deeper, and it has the potential to actually go deeper. Like, as soon as it adds some more, um, some more variety, uh, a couple more, uh, a couple more biomes, and add, you know, and intertwine that into the story, uh, kind of like what um, From the Ashes did. Um, oh yeah, because the they did a game. DLC and then added a couple of worlds, didn't they? Yeah, and then you can you can just basically roll an extension to the story, you know, you know, and continue on doing that. Uh, there I, is some questions to be answered, so you know, the I don't see this game being done. You know, I I can see them doing another like a DLC or uh, uh, some additional uh, content to it. It's you know, it's an easy like I haven't finished it. I'm on the last level. Like it's an easy four and a half out of five recommend for me. Like it's a high recommend, and it's sitting firmly in my top five for this year. Yeah, I mean it's if, it's if a, not my it's a solid game. If not my number two game for this year, like so far my top three games this year are Baldur's Gate, Diablo, and Remnant. And Remnant is sitting firmly in number two, and the number one spot's up for debate because I still haven't gotten through enough of Baldur's Gate, but. Like, we touched on seasons last week with Diablo. There's some things that are broken. I've decided to kind of leave it to the side for a moment because the season goes through freaking October. Right. Um, and then with Remnant, the timing was kind of bad. I almost wish I – I wish it was out a week earlier so I would be finished with the game at least to have that final run through. And mm. I, I may still do that. It may be like, all right, well, I've only got an evening and a half worth of gameplay left just to get the final run done. but. I could see myself going back through adventure mode, getting some of these stuff that I don't have. Like, I definitely haven't unlocked all the classes. Like, there's a whole data mine class that's so incredibly specific. And I say data mine is that you would never know how to do this if somebody didn't data mine it. And it was essentially done on purpose. Like, here's this ultra specific set of things you have to do in order to unlock this one class. Right. And we know people will dig into the, dig in, dig deep into the code to find out what to do. And so that there is that class. Um, but, you know, just some basic stuff. Like, I want to finally unlock the summoner. I still haven't messed up with all the blood orbs to get the summoner. And I think a summoner would pair really well with my current character. Yeah. There's um, there's a number of different things. Like, if I really wanted to get super deep into Remnant, I would, uh, I'd, I'd unlock all of the, uh, all of the uh, different archetypes. And then... Uh, level them all up to 10 because as soon as you level them up to 10 uh, their main trait becomes available for you know any class so uh, you can make some really super strong builds with that you know and then of course you know there's the extra difficulty ratings i don't know about you but i mean yeah i want to first time i want to try it on veteran and nightmare like yeah, veteran and nightmare, and of course, there's you know there's the ultra hard one. Uh, as soon as you beat the game, you unlock that one as well. So, you know, that just adds extra challenge to the game, and you know, and 
some others, you know, other stuff that you can you can do. So there's plenty of replayability if if you wanted to, you know, choose a game and you know a tactical game is not something that's uh, that's up your alley. Like you wouldn't like Baldur's Gate, but you know, like over the uh, over the shoulder uh, shooters, and you've probably stepped a toe or two into a Dark Souls game maybe once or twice. You uh, you you definitely like uh, you know Remnant too. I think Remnant's good, and I think they do a better job with the random tile sets in this one and the random objectives in this one than they did in the last one. So, yeah. like game to game, me and your games were fairly different between the two. Right uh, enough so that we're getting different dungeons and different bosses between our runs and then our runs in our adventure mode. But like the the other thing that people don't tell you about Remnant, and I've just kind of figured that out with this game is like. You finish a level, but you're not feeling like you're tough enough, right? Like roll one of the levels that you beat before in adventure mode and go through that as a challenge. Um, you'll you might get additional bosses that you didn't get before, and on top of that, like it's a big good scrap run too, right? To get all the scrap and then maybe get some weapons you didn't get before. Um, the puzzles in this one are really good too. I really like the puzzles. There's some of them that are a real challenge. The uh, the saw blade puzzles were giving me a run for my money. Some of yes. those you can only solve with two people, which is crazy. Um, so that we're it's it's very much designed with co-op in mind, um, and it's not as punishing with as Dark Souls in that, like when you die, it just respawns everything and puts you back at the last checkpoint. It doesn't make you lose your level, and, and in this case, you're not leveling normally except for your traits. You're just getting scrapped to upgrade your shit. Like that's how you level up, basically. Use your powers it's, and then, you know, kill things for scrap or find scrap yeah. in, in, you know, in broken pots, which is us rolling through pots all the time. Yes. But, uh, you know, you, yeah, you don't lose anything. Uh, you don't lose the scrap that you picked up. It's really forgiving in that way. Uh, the only thing that you really lose is time uh, because, of course, you're having to, you know, kill all the things that you'd, you had killed before. Uh, but then again, that gives you more, you know, opportunities for scrap. So, yeah, in, it's, I want to say it was in Dark Souls or one of the Souls games. Um, you ate broken glass to kill yourself to get you back to a checkpoint. Yeah, it was. Oh, oh, what was it? Was it a Dark Souls game? Maybe it's Elden Ring. I no, uh, it wasn't. Bro- uh, it wasn't Dark Souls. It was. Uh, um, Ark. <laughs> oh yeah, Ark. Eat broken, broken glass. Yeah, eat broken glass, and you start bleeding from the inside. Where you eat poop, and you start, and you, and you die that way. Yeah, yeah. That that's the way that is. Yeah, um, this one just that has a just death sounds terrifying. Eat poop, even eat, eating poop. Yeah, I'm not a or glass. I'm not, I, yeah, I'm, I'm not a I'm not a big fan of either. <laughs> Same here. Not a not a poop eater. Um, <laughs> not a turd burglar. All right. So I want to talk a little bit about a game that we've all been playing. Oh, I say all me and you, Rusty, you just started today. I've been playing for a couple of days. We've both been playing Baldur's Gate three. Um, I'm just going to say that game's incredible. Um, yeah, me and Rusty both rolled sorcerers. I don't know if that was by design or by accident. I feel like it's it was by accident. by accident for sure, by accident because I'm sitting here going, "Oh, what do I want to play?" I don't. I didn't yeah, want to. And it just 
I didn't want all the choice that a wizard brings to the table. So it's it's super based off D and D five rules, right? Rules. And I didn't want to be in the position where I had to do a long rest to recharge all my spells. So I was like, I want to do a sorcerer because the short rest will recharge the majority of my stuff. I've got a decent amount of cantrips to choose from, so I've always got something to shoot. Um, I'm going to go sorcerer, and that's why I picked. And then I went, oh, I want to be a half-drow sorcerer because uh, I wanted night vision. That that was really the reason. And then I went in to create the character, and he kind of just looks like a really big human with pointy ears and Dave was over here last night and he's like, your drow has a beard. I was like, I know, don't, don't worry about it. He's all my characters have beards. <laughs> all of the characters have beards. He, uh, my character kind of looks like a Viking. Um, he's got like a dwarven length beard, uh, with like <laughs> braids and then a really, really, really long kind of Viking styled hair. Oh and my God. the sliders for creating the like hair highlights is pretty incredible. So like, you know, I'm older now, right? I just turned 41. And, uh, you know, I'm graying, right? Got gray in my beard. I've got gray in my hair. And I wanted to have a character that kind of looked like a fantasy version of me. And I couldn't get the face right. But I could get the hair texture and color right. And I was able to get, like, a reddish blonde beard with reddish blonde white highlights in my beard. So it's very he's very calico in his beard and in his hair. And it looks very realistic. Like, I looked at it, it's like, man, he's, that's like the same coloring I have in my own hair. Like, that's actually really awesome that I could get it to, like, when you do, when you use the graying slider, I know this is like crazy, you know, stupid <laughs> sounding, but when you use the graying slider, it adds like some strands of the hair and some portions of the hair is gray, but not others. So it's more varied than the highlight slider. I know I'm like digging way deep into the character creation. <laughs> character but, creation for a D&D game. Go figure. But it's it's pretty primo. And there's also like 100 hairstyles. Um, and I'll fuck load of beard styles too. Like they, they did us proper with that, right? Um, so like, you know, I created this half drow with this big majestic ass beard, majestic ass hair. And then found this weird like pointy kind of cowboy hat looking hat. So my wizard's wearing this weird, like, kind of cowboy hat. It's kind of great. Um, but yeah, like, or wizard, my sorcerer. But I mm -hmm. got started, and uh, you know, the intro is pretty epic, right? The start of the game's pretty epic. Starts you off, you kind of suck, which is normal for these kind of games. But the uh, very true to Larian fashion, like the whole environment is very interactable. And it tunes the encounters. I'm playing on the medium difficulty. I'm not playing on the fuck you count, uh, difficulty. I'm playing on medium. And it really does want you to think tactically about the battlefield and what you got and what you can do. And I've got a character that's a fighter. And I remember being out of reach and I didn't have a bow yet. And so I'm just like kind of looking at what's my disposal. And I was like, there's a chair there. <laughs> and then... Throw item is one of the options that I had. So I clicked that and then clicked the chair and then noticed I could throw it at something. Uh. So I grabbed the chair and chucked a fucking chair at somebody. And it was very effective. I was like, <laughs> I'm going to do this more often. I've, I'm not going to use a crossbow with my fighter. He's just going to throw shit. <laughs> so like I was doing a fight right before we all got on Discord. And I'm fighting these goblins. And I had this poison barrel that was next to me. And I had my fighter chuck the poison barrel down and like hit all of the fucking 
um, goblins. And then poison also is uh, very flammable for some reason. So then I used my cantrip on my priest that has a fire cantrip to light the fire. So, like, she sucks with her crossbow anyway, and the cantrip's on limited use. So, you know, light all of that shit on fire, and then I basically knocked, like, four goblins down to half health with that little combo that I did. And all of that was very non-standard combat. Um, I have a warlock. I don't have a good water spell right now, so he carries, like, if you find loot everything in this game, just loot all the fucking things. <laughs> And I store all if my... If it's not nailed down. Right. If it's not nailed down. And he just carries a buttload of water bottles on him. <clears throat> and I use that to get around surfaces. Like, there's a fight where something's on fire and you need to put it out. So, like, that was where the water bottle thing started. But, um, but yeah, like, you're randomly lighting shit on fire sometimes. And it's good to have somebody who can put it out. So, he's got water bottles. Um, I'm just seeing this. I'm seeing a fucking warlock with a Dasani bottle. I'm just sorry. <laughs> yeah, I mean that's how it is, and he's a he's a character you find pretty early in the game. I just decided to start using him. He's actually pretty proficient with a rapier, um, so he gets a, an attack called flourish, and a lot of his abilities are pretty close up anyway. So I can use the flourish as my extra action um, if I want to, and then also use my spells or cantrips as my first action. So that's typically how I play him. It's like he doesn't have armor for shit, but he can disable fucking everything. And he's got some decent attacks, so it's kind of like he's turned into kind of like a melee hybrid character. Then I got my sorcerer who's like, you get these extra like meta magic stuff. So I've got something called twin spell. So I've got a acid ray that I use or an acid bolt that I use with him a lot, which is a really powerful skill. A skill it's like 2d8, right? Um, and then when you're using the twin spell meta magic, you can cast that twice in one turn. So you do a split acid bolt between two different characters. And then not only does it do initial damage, but it's doing like, uh, it's no, it's Raven Feebleman, I think. No, I can't remember. Anyway, it's, it's, it's poison damage. So it's damage over time plus an initial hit that's pretty, hits pretty hard. So I use that meta magic quite a bit when I've got a big group of guys to like take out. But uh, the character dialogue is pretty insane. Um, every single person you talk to has a little mini cutscene. Every single encounter, right? Pretty much. I haven't run into something where it just had the thought, you know, the the captions above them on what they're saying, right? Like everything's fully voiced. Everything goes into cinematic camera, even though it's not, you know, a pre-rendered cutscene. It's like your character in the game engine, et cetera, right? Um, there are a lot of skill checks in this game using a D20. So, like, you know, you, I told a guy to basically kill himself because I have such a high charisma character. Um, and he was able to pull <laughs> it off um, in the middle of a counter. I had an encounter where um, I had a creature that was insatiable, essentially, right? Chasing down these humans. And I tried this battle like six different ways from Sunday. I've been trying to sneak attack this battle this whole time. Sneak attack's really powerful in this game. Um, that wasn't panning out. So it's like, fuck it. What happens when I just roll into the encounter? Well, I found out that it starts a an encounter between whoever the character is that you're currently controlling and one of the main characters. Um, and he's chasing down these humans because he wants to eat these humans. And I was able to, and to talk him into eating his companions because 
my character has such a high charisma and such a, he has a little bit of, I had a mind control potion as well. So I was able to talk him into engaging his companions to eat them, which kept him out of the fight for the majority of the fight so that my guys could take care of all the guys he's trying to eat and then fight him eventually. He's kind of like a mini boss. Um, so like that was very satisfying. That was way more satisfying than me just trying to take on the whole group from a sneak attack or an attack of advantage from like a cliff or something like that. Um, it's exceptionally good. It's uh, This is what Dragon Age was to me. This, this hit me the same way that the Dragon Age Origins hit me like, I don't know, it's been like 13, 14 years since that game came out. Yeah. Um, God damn. That's been forever ago. Yeah, so it hit me. it's hit me in the same way that did. It's just a much more modern approach with even more flexibility in what you can do. Um, everything's interactable. If you leave something on the ground, it'll be there hours later. Um, there's a lot of quality of life stuff. So like if you're encumbered, just send shit to camp. When you do a full rest or you can click on go to camp, it takes you out of the area you're in and into an area where you can interact with all of your companions. Um, there's a lot of different dialogue choices that you can have during that time. Um, and then you can go through your camp stash, right? So like, it, let's just say you don't want to go through the loop of getting heavy, then going to sell and getting heavy, then going to sell. You mm-hmm. can send everything back to camp that you don't need right away and then go through and spend 20 minutes sorting your box and selling all the shit you don't need later, um, which is something I started doing. And it actually saves me quite a bit of time on that micromanaging side of these types of RPGs. So, you know, all the cups and plates and all that other bullshit that I just stole for whatever reason. Um, all the books that I stole. Yeah. <laughs> Um, all the letters I've picked up, you know, I ran across a mailman that was dead and then I found out he was a mailman. That was kind of interesting reading all of his letters. Um, but yeah, um, the talk to animal thing is pretty interesting too. I was telling Rusty earlier before Jason popped on, I was like, I'm talking to a dog. It really sounds like a dog and has the mannerisms of a dog. And the way they animated the dog while he's talking looks like you would expect a dog to talk that was talking to you. Like the tail's wagging right, the ear, the head tilts correct. The only thing that's like almost uncanny valley is the fact that they figured out a way to lip sync the dog in a way that looked believable huh. and not just like moving the mouth. Like the lips move along with the way that you enunciate in English. It's really bizarre, oh. but it works. Okay. Okay. I mean, <laughs> yeah, it, it, I haven't gotten this skill yet, so. <laughs> um, well, when you get a warlock, one of the options he has is you can do a animal speech or whatever, and it's good until you do a long rest. So I saw the encounter, had the warlock on me that had that skill. So he's got high charisma anyway, because that's what, you know, warlocks roll with. So he did the speech encounter with the dog, which was pretty interesting. Finding the, the story is pretty compelling. Um, I like the story so far. It's just keeping me going. There's some other really big surprises that just happened out of nowhere. Um, the the gist of the story, and I don't think this spoils anything because it happens in the first like three minutes of the game. Um, you're you're infected with a, a mind flare, and that's the impetus of the game. And that that doesn't tell you a whole lot because there's a whole lot more to it than that. Mm-hmm. Um, a lot of gray area in the game. A lot of your decisions just continue to follow you. Um, I uh, 
saved this girl out in the forest. Um, and I won't say exactly what I did, but I had an one of like three options with four options with her, I think. And one of those options led me to meet up with this lady later on in Baldur's Gate. So that's kind of the option I went with because I want to see how that story unfold unfolds. Um, just rescued a bunch of guys and then accidentally killed all of these guys because I rolled a check that made them instantly aggressive. But Whoops. got their password to get into their secret guild and then took the contents of what they were guarding with me. And it's just sitting in my character's backpack right now. So when I get to Baldur's Gate, we'll see. I'm going to not open the thing and keep it hidden, keep it safe until I get to the secret guild and see if that gets me access to some things that I didn't have before. So like the the choice, the, the choice trees in this are pretty extensive. Um, I don't know what they're calling cutscene, but Larian says there's 170 hours of cutscene in the game. I don't know if that's just all the speech encounters or if that's actual cutscene because uh, I've only experienced about 10 minutes of actual cutscene so far. Um, I think it's, I think it's just uh, like a combination yeah. of all these different speech encounters. Yeah. Which is like twice as long as the entire Game of Thrones, um, you know, series. They, uh, they're saying like, if you want to be a completionist, it takes you about 200 hours. I would tend to believe that I'm only about, I don't know. 16 hours in and I started playing Thursday night. It's Saturday. Um it's it's nutty. I mean, I just starting. Like within the first minute I was uh I was already hooked. I didn't even get into the game and I was hooked. Cuz I sent you some screenshots, right? And and oh, one of the Eula. things <laughs> yeah. One of the things that uh that everybody just automatically skips on almost everything is the end user license agreement. It's the very first thing you see in most games. It's going to have you, you know, like scroll to the bottom and hit I accept, right? Uh, and I almost did. I almost did. And except for the fact that like I would, I skimmed through the first, skimmed through the first uh, uh, paragraph of it. And it ended with the word packed. And I'm like, I have never seen the word packed in one of these before. So that just, that caught my eye. And what it is, is the end user license agreements in character. Uh, <laughs> so uh, the it, it is a an eldritch uh, uh, contract that you are, <laughs> you are signing when you, when you, uh, when you hit, I agree. Um, and it's it's small. It's kind of like the uh, you, you you owe me pancakes for life uh, clause, right? Right. Uh, <laughs> you just read the uh, you know read the license agreement. But I was reading through. I mean, this is the first one that I fully skimmed in a long, long time. Um, and it's it's just yeah, but it's that extra special little sauce, right? Uh, and then as soon as I got into the game, I mean, the, you know, just getting into the, the title screen was, per, you know, was great. Like I'm noticing all these little small things in the title screen, a party of adventurers coming down a, you know, a, a winding you know, or a staircase in the background like that. 
that I was like, okay, cool. I'm 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 fiddling around with the uh um with all the settings because that's what you do and when you start a new game is you immediately go into settings and try to set it to beautiful, right? Right. Um I come back and I'm like, oh there's a there's a party of adventures there that wasn't there before. That's great. Cool. Awesome. Uh and then it sold me almost immediately upon character creation because it's it's just, it's almost like either you have the choice if you've played Divinity Original Sin 2, you have the choice of create of taking on a character that is pre-built for you, has a backstory, yada yada yada, right? Or you can create your own custom, you know, you know, custom hero. And if you create your own custom hero, it's just like if you were, you know, starting off with basically like a template character from uh you know 5e it's uh if you've played dungeons and dragons before it's going to be very familiar to you because a lot of this you know it's it's all it's i mean it uses the same terminology um you know when you roll for success you're actually rolling a dice on screen uh it these are things that just like it immediately makes me feel great about it uh, about the game but it sold me immediately when I uh, could create myself a Dragonborn. So, you of course I did. You of course I would. Of course I did. I created a Dragonborn because of course I did. Um, but yeah, um, uh, yeah. I mean, if um, my my five E characters are are all Dragonborn, so <laughs> I don't play any of those wussy races i i play races that have armor by default it's it's well and speaking of 5e right like you need to create as many advantages for yourself as you can so like the reason i did the drow was for dark vision right like i was mm-hmm. thinking of other games i played where i needed a torch out almost all the time and so like you get dark vision and then you also get dancing lights as a cantrip so you can cast that over an area where you got enemies that you know have a lot of disadvantages because it's dark it lasts 10 rounds which is a lot so you don't feel like you're wasting a spell so to speak but it's a good support spell and the fact that when it's dark in this game you don't hit as often right so you have to but they let modifiers like if there's shit on fire and it is adding a light value to the area that you're in that creates your advantage again or you know resets the disadvantage it doesn't necessarily give you Mm -hmm. an advantage right you know getting on top of things to shoot down gives you an advantage so of course anybody range needs to be on a ledge right having people uh like other crazy things too right is just like your warrior has the highest strength so um my cleric has a mixture of wisdom and strength and then i've got a fighter who's got a lot of strength both can jump pretty far and i'll run into situations where my rogue can't follow because it's a high dex character and I'll take that warrior and get him up to a ledge because apparently because you're fucking strong as hell, like they got they don't skip leg day and they can shoot up 20 feet in the air <laughs> and take a chest that's locked, grab it and fling it down right to where the rogue is. So the rogue can break open or unlock the chest, you know. So like there's stuff like that. And then I like the little details of like you can jump really far down, like jump as an action. Right. And. If you do, like, you will take damage sometimes because it's too far down. Like, I was running into a situation where I was on this ledge, 
and it looked like I could get a lot closer with my rogue and jump, but then I realized I was going to take four damage from that jump. And and it said, like, you know, uh, I can't remember exactly how it said it, but essentially I had a chance to go prone as well if I jumped that far. So mm-hmm. I didn't. I switched over to my bow, and I was like, fuck it, I'm going to shoot an arrow, and then kind of cl- stagger my way down and just use my bow as I get closer with my rogue. But... Or... It's, or uh, you can have your wizard cast Featherfall on the rogue, and then he can jump that's true. down and take no fall damage. But other things of note, too, like I was showing Dave last night, because, you know, Dave's got a switch. I don't know when he's going to ever get an opportunity to play this. So he's like, I don't care about spoilers. So I'm doing this one fight or encounter, right? Um, I won't say too much about it because it'll give away too much, but essentially I'm trying to. Let me use different words. I'm saving somebody from um, a witch. We'll say it that way. Saving somebody from a witch. Well, I can side of the witch, right? And you get a permanent debuff by doing that. And I was showing him, I was like, we're going to quick save right here. And I'll show you like all the different options. So side with the witch, trying to uh, heal me of my ailment, essentially, right? Permanent debuff. Um. And actually changed the look of my character, which is pretty crazy. Um, and didn't save the other potential side quest that would happen because she's guarding somebody, right? Make a deal with the witch without doing the thing that they want me to. Gave me another thing, but then permanently crossed off the other thing and then potentially makes that character more powerful for later on in the game, which a lot of this has choice and consequence. And then another opportunity, and the one that I went with, was be an incredible dick to the witch. Um, <laughs> right. So that's what I went with. Um, after I figured out like how horrible this person was, it shows in my party, everybody approves of me being a dick to the witch. Everybody seemed to like that, that option, um, which started like a three stage encounter, so to speak. Right. So now the witch exits the area. The person I'm going after also exits the area. I have to go through a series of puzzles to get back to that encounter, essentially. Now I'm saving this person from the witch. And even at the end of that encounter, I have like three choices on different things that can do with all different responses. But me trying to stay true to how I was RPing this character, I was like, he's pretty much kind of neutral good, sometimes a little bit of an asshole, sometimes not, but mostly good. Um, Could have taken, I did the option of like, what happens if I side with him? Well, I got a permanent stat increase. That's kind of cool, but it also makes them more powerful. Next option, um, got the equipment from the witch um, and didn't save the person. Next option that I chose, um, obliterated the witch completely, saved the person, and uh, let's just say, like, resurrected somebody that they were looking for, right? Didn't turn out the way they want. Could have taken the said resurrected person into my party, decided to let that go, and then catch up with this character later in Baldur's Gate, which is what I went with. So now I'm going to kind of see where that thread goes once I get to Baldur's Gate and find this individual again. It's like, there's no fetch quest. It's all shit like this. It's like you take a thread from each one of these things and you just continue to unravel it, right? So it's like taking a part of sweater, like strand by strand, and it just continues to unravel and go in all sorts of different directions. So this central story leads to all these smaller stories, which all have choice and consequence that leads to different stories based on the choices that you make, which makes it incredibly interesting. 
and it's it's an RPG done right. It's this is like a mastercraft of DMing, right? Like there are so many different threads, and I don't know how they did it, but like it is the closest to playing D and D in a video game that I've ever played. Period, because of the amount of choice you have and the way that you handle your environment. Just like your horse chucker thing that you used to do, you did in one of your D and D campaigns. You can throw people in this game. You can throw enemies if you have high enough strength. You I can am... pick an orc fighter or an orc barbarian if that's what you wanted to do. Pump their strength up to fucking as high as you can go to fucking 20 and fucking chuck people around. Like that could be your whole thing is just be a barbarian and throw shit. Um, <laughs> Doing I, it. This is this game's crazy. I want to be that barbarian vampire. Barbarian <laughs> vampire people chucker i have run into a vampire by the way so i'll leave it at that dude chucker it's (laughs) it's excellent like i'm looking i'm probably the only one that's really looking forward to starfield in this group like i'm pretty excited you're not the only one oh no i'm fucking jazzed about starfield let me build my ship bitches so yeah i am ready for that shit that's why I got to re-up my Game Pass, so when it comes out, I won't be left wanting. It's going to take a lot for it to beat Baldur's Gate. Baldur's Gate is like the ultimate RPG so far. It is everything that Dragon Age wanted to be and then got so far away from. Like It turned into the simplest hack-and-slash RPG ever by three. Like, well, I mean, you, you look at... That doesn't surprise me, because when you look back at one and two... They had a lot of D&D in them. I think what they were running into limitations of engines at the time, right? The amount of the amount of rule sets you could put in, how the inventory system worked, etc. You were pretty limited by your engine. Now the engines are so big and can manage so much. That doesn't surprise me at all. Well, I mean, yeah, the, this this has all of the you know the modern technology you know behind it, sure. But I think the the closest game to uh, to Baldur's Gate three is another Larian game. That's it's a Divinity Original Sin two. That's probably the closest, and even you know even that feels like kind of like a half-baked campaign to what I've seen so far. Because this this has structure to it. This has a kind of structure that you would expect from a D&D game. Uh, whereas uh, whereas uh, uh, Divinity kind of had like, eh, you can kind of go in a direction. Yeah, but it didn't really catch you really hard on the story. This caught me immediately on the story, not just because there was dragons in the cutscene, but um, the dragons are pretty neat in the cutscene, though. The dragons in the, are pretty neat in the cutscene. I mean, the cutscene so far at the beginning was it was pretty uh, pretty fucking red. Um, but yeah, the um, yeah the, the this game just has it it has a good hook, and considering I've only ever experienced the hook in maybe ten minutes of uh, gameplay afterwards. Uh, there's going to be more for me to say after, you know, you know next week. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> we're both in Act 1. I'm like not even a quarter of the way through this area. I still haven't solved the main event by any stretch of the imagination. 
I've only gotten through, I got through one of the major stories in that area. One. That's all. So far, one. And I'm working on several others. I've got, you know, all sorts of different things that I need to do in this area before I exit. And I don't know how far into the game it is before I get to the town of Baldur's Gate. But I feel like Baldur's Gate is like basically Act 2. And I'm working on Act 1. And that's how Divinity Original Sin was. Like, you're on the island, which was like, I spent 30 hours on the island before I ever got off the island. And that was Act 0, basically. Well, and you're also looking at difference. If you're comparing the two, you're looking at, you know, Larry and developing their own thing with Divinity 1 and 2 as far as like their own rule set, their own world, their own classes, etc. They didn't have full license to something like D&D. Yeah, it's... Where, where Baldur's Gate 3, it, of course, Baldur's Gate has always been a D&D license, so you've got all of that, and they basically... Wizards basically just said, do your thing, go ham. Uh you know, they eventually released a lot of stuff. They liked Divinity's original sin too so much that they eventually allowed them to add different things from the D and D world, items, characters, except or races, etc., into Divinity. Now they've just got full license for it, and it's. I mean, they do good work. Larian's not really put out anything that I completely hated. Yeah, it's it's a, it's it's solid so far, and I mean, we're just touching there. We're just barely scratching the surface of it. Yeah, like I'm this hooked this far in. I like I really like Remnant. Like, let me just say that to be clear. I really like Remnant. I really like Diablo. I really, really am addicted to this. Um, and like some other things, like there's a, for example, like somebody who's playing a completely different, right? Like Trent has been, me and Trent are good friends, right? Like we don't talk like every day, but we went out for lunch yesterday and then we started talking about Baldur's Gate cause he also picked it up and he's not necessarily a big turn-based guy, but he is a big Baldur's Gate fan. Um, cause he played one and two a lot when I was playing him. So he picked this mm-hmm. up. <laughs> it's like moment to moment. He's sending me like several paragraphs of text of the things that he just did um, in the game, which is not typical of him. He plays video games and I hear about it a month or two later. But yeah, he's like, yeah, so one of my characters apparently has some weird debuff that when they get down, they create a toxic gas around them. <laughs> so I didn't realize that this paper mache character like would just fucking annihilate my character, my whole party every time they downed in the middle of my party. So now they're way back, but they're a really powerful character. So like, it's just stuff like that, right? Like we're all having different unique experiences, taking different choices, right? And having equal levels of fun because the, there's not a, there's, there's less illusion of choice in this than there is in typical video games that call themselves RPGs. Right. They have. Yeah expanded the illusion of choice to be more actual choice than just, well, this is what we're doing to make you feel like you're having a weighted impact, right? Like the whole issue that people had with Mass Effect 3, even though it's a good game, is that your choice is culminated down to one of three cutscenes, right? Um, right. And then just whatever the romances were. Like this is so much deeper than that. 
And I feel like this was one of those things that Laren's like, yeah, we got to prove ourselves here. Like we did a great job with Divinity Original Sin 2. Now we got to up the bar again. And with it having a more cohesive story and then even more choice in the environment and what they did, like, yes, it's another RPG in a fantasy setting. Yes, it's another CRPG, but it is CRPG on steroids. Um, I'm very invested in the characters. I'm very invested in the world. I'm very, you know, it looks great. Like Jason made a comment earlier when we we're on Discord, like there's a couple of things, right? Like some of the spell effects look a little bit dated, right? Some of the mm -hmm. textures look a little bit dated. When you're close in on the cutscenes, though, like they do look pretty damn good. Um, they do. Doesn't have, it has DLSS, but it doesn't have like ray tracing or anything like that or HDR. I think it would benefit from a little bit of ray tracing at some point once they optimize it to a point where that would work well. Uh, speaking of optimization, it, it will run on your Steam Deck. I haven't played to the settings. Um, I locked it in on 30 frames a second and downloaded it for science um, on my Steam Deck last night while I was hanging out with the boys um, and got through the first couple of rooms um, in the very, very first opening scene, basically. Um, it runs your battery down like a motherfucker, but it does it looks decent while running on a Steam Deck. That's um, good. If you play it on a Steam Deck, I would say there's probably a couple. Of, I'm sure there's a video out there that'll tell you how to tune it so you can get a better FPS than 30. But um, considering that, and, and also the load times are pretty hardcore on my Steam Deck, like it's about a minute between loading scenes versus my PC, which is seconds, right? Um, but the fact that it'll run on your Steam Deck is pretty crazy. I would just say plug it in or run it with a battery pack if you're going to play Baldur's Gate on your on your Steam Deck. It's uh yeah. It it runs it feels like an oven in my hands, like it, the fan <laughs> is screaming. It was not really meant for the Steam Deck. <laughs> but it's playable and that's it's playable. It's like the Steam Deck is still like freaking annihilates all the other handhelds. The fact that I'm playing Baldur's Gate three on a Steam Deck, like Switch is still stuck with Zelda. Right. Yeah, what What's really going to make, and I think this is an important distinction and why why I'm waiting, there is uh, a lot of the issue with, like, the Steam Deck um, and, and by, by extension, um, uh, the ROG Ally is the way that they have to be cooled uh, with fans. Now, there was a bunch of... Uh, there's something that you're really uh, discounting, even though that might be more powerful. There's pre... The ga games that are certified for Steam Deck have a preset setting that's already optimized for the device that you don't have to fiddle with anything when you just, you just play the game. It's set for Steam Deck settings. The game knows it's a Steam Deck game once it's Steam Deck certified. And then it just works. And then you can fiddle with the settings more if you want. But I guarantee you that Ally is not going to have that. Nor is it going to be tuned to use the use the whatever wizardry they do with Steam Deck to make it actually work um, the same way. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Well, no. What I was going to say is that is the one thing that's that's going to hold those back is the amount of cooling they can fit in them, right? Uh, so eventually the chips clock. But at CES this year, um, it turns out that a new that 
Fjord's systems uh, is ready to start releasing next year the Airjet, uh, which is basically, it's a solid-state cooler um, that works on uh, vibration instead of instead of a physical fan moving and it actually moves more air per square inch than than like a laptop fan does i saw i saw something like this i actually looked into it yeah um so those are over the next couple years those are going to make um uh cooling like thin and light laptops and handhelds, etc., a whole lot better. Um, so hopefully, like the next Steam Deck incorporates it, etc. One can yeah, dream. It's it's still kind of a new technology. We don't know how much of a uh, of an issue that's going to be over uh, over a period of time. Like, yeah. It's it's neat that it's a uh, uh, that that it cools with vibration. Basically, you know, can reduce the amount of moving parts. But over time, what's that going to do to your uh, components? You know, yeah. Who knows long term? But they did have like a bunch of uh, um, thin and light laptops that they'd modified. Yeah, on display at CES, and it was. Um cooling up to an additional 30 watts worth of cooling and that's fine but in a laptop and you can do that in a uh, uh in a trade show setting but yeah. uh you gotta you gotta have it in the hands of uh uh of consumers and put it through its paces and see you know see if that's i'm not i'm not saying anything about the cooling ability of it i'm just saying that you know, movement equals wear and tear. Where's the wear and tear happening, you know? Yeah, exactly. It, so it's yet to be seen, but one can hope. Because that's the only thing really holding the Steam Deck back on anything that's more graphical intensive. Um, is It just yeah. starts getting too hot, right? Oh. Uh, in, in fact, so much so, so much so like that, like, I mean, they made a video about it. Linus and his team literally cut a square out of the back of his steam deck and put a giant ass fucking heat sink on the back. Yeah. But <laughs> yeah. But when you've got unlimited money, go for it. Right. I'm yeah. not doing that with my steam deck. I don't even have, have even have a steam deck to, you know, to do that with. And I wouldn't do it, but Justin's anyway. got steam deck and he can test how hot the back can get. Oh, yeah. It gets fairly hot. That's why I was saying it was kind of like an oven in my hands. Um, like when you're, I shouldn't be doing it right, but like sometimes I can't get the gaming bug to go away while I'm trying to go to sleep and I'll pick up my Steam Deck and play for a little bit. And when you're trying to go to sleep, you're trying to get kind of cooled down, right? And that thing sitting on my chest while I'm playing whatever, while I'm kind of reclining in my bed, like will significantly heat me up <laughs> it gets pretty hot <laughs> he uses it to warm the bed yeah like it's, it, it gets way way warmer than you would think like not too yeah. hot to the touch but like definitely noticeable for sure um do we want to take a break yes all right y'all sounds good we'll be back
And we're back. Yeah. Um, <laughs> some of us are more thrilled than others about being back because I know at least one or two of us are using this as an escape today. Um, All three of us. Yeah. <laughs> Me uh, less I really than don't you want to. I don't, I don't want to see. I don't want to have to deal with real life right now. Yeah. I, uh, I don't have a lot of responsibility today. And I've got a lot of shit going on tomorrow, so I'll get very little gaming in tomorrow. But um, I did want to talk a little bit about some news. Uh, we've been talking about Baldur's Gate here for about the last 45 minutes, so we might as well just kind of start off with some of the uh, stats from yesterday or from uh, Thursday's launch day. And I think, Jason, you found some inf interesting information about that. I did. So... Eight hours into the into the game going live on Steam, uh, they had over a hundred and fifty thousand concurrent downloads, uh, moving more than a hundred and forty-two terabits per second through the across the servers to people's machines. Terabits. And somehow the servers never went down. Yeah, well, um all hail the Gabe. Let That's me, pretty let impressive. Me just, let me don't give him a big head. Um <laughs> I mean, they seem to be the only ones who can do like launch, you know, like they've been doing it for years. Right. <laughs> they've been doing it since the early two thousands, so like yeah. they've got their shit down. They've been doing it for years and years and years, man. It's uh, it it does not surprise me one bit that they're able to actually handle a you know a massive launch because you know, the the fucking Steam data centers probably like it runs like a well-oiled machine. Like it's probably uh, like a mile. I wonder how big the Steam data center is. Like I know there's several, right? Like they're spread out across all over the country and all over the world, right? Mm -hmm. But now I'm just curious, how big is the Dallas Steam um, server? I wonder if that is something you can find out. No, that's 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 not the same thing. Uh, I'm sure. I, I doubt it because generally, that type of information, like. Right, locations right. of where you hold servers, etc., is generally fucking pr very proprietary and protected. Yeah, um, I mean, the data center that I used to work at. Um, it's, I mean, uh, you had to 66, know that it was there. Sixty-six data centers worldwide. Yeah, you had to know that it was uh, it was there. Uh, otherwise, it it just kind of looked like a nondescript building from the outside. I mean the the uh the 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 fence and the uh the security gate kind of gave it away a little bit but um outside of that right the 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 reality here is is these are probably like rack space in multiple different places and you can do a lot in a little bit of rack space so i mean well, I can it's, tell you right now, Steam has, you know, their charts, right? So I pulled up the Steam charts, and currently, concurrent Baldur's Gate 3 
players right now is 691,886 with a peak of 712,000. That's insane. That that's I mean this is a very highly anticipated title like one of the biggest games of the year. So um with Remnant yeah. our second favorite so far at a peak of 76,000 for comparison. And Remnant's doing pretty good. Like there's a story out there that the first one took a few months to hit a million a million um sales, right? Mm-hmm. They did that in 4 days. So, like, they're in a space right now that they've already reached out and said they're going to do add a whole bunch of additional content to the game because it's just sold so well. Like, it's exceeded their already their big expectations. So, we'll see more Remnant stuff, and by that time, we will have gotten through enough of some of these other games to go back to it to stomp it out again, you know. But, um, yeah, it's a massive launch. The you know Counter Strike's always the biggest thing on Steam because it's a free to play game, right? But for comparison, right? Current players in Counter Strike, which is a game that certain people just play Counter Strike, right? Eight hundred eighty seven thousand people. Current people on Baldur's Gate, a sixty dollar game, six hundred ninety one thousand. Like, that's insane. Yeah, yeah. I mean, mm, it's. it's- uh, it's a big-ass fucking game, I'm telling you. Right. Well, I mean, they went as far as, with Baldur's Gate 3, they went as far as to hire a voice actor specifically just for the male sex sounds. That was a weird place to go with that transition, but we'll roll with it. Hey, when well, you create, when you, know, you start when, the game, when the vast majority of the news out there is all Baldur's Gate three, I just picked a bunch of stuff. So, when the, you start the game, it asks you whether or not you're going to want to see genitalia. <laughs> yes, That's it crazy. does. There's no dick slider though. Um, like all the dicks basically look the same with different different hairstyles. Well, you know, you get a you get a variety of hairstyles for your uh, for your genitals. Hmm. Well, you know, this there is wasn't a CD Projekt Red. We don't need a slider. A dong slider. Like, there was no mohawk. <laughs> we don't need like a dong slider at all. I needed, like, I needed, like, a mohawk, right? But I couldn't find a mohawk, so. Ended, ended with just, uh, you know, the male landing strip. Okay. Uh, that, that said, uh, it, it was, it was funny, and I watched. I watched this while we were on break, and I should have showed you guys the that voice actor. His name's Alex Jordan. Actually, posted a posted a a video to his social me one of his social media pages, and just said, "And all of you horny little perverts out there, you think of me while while you're playing this game and fucking a bear." Yeah, I know that made what? There's a lot of freedom in (laughs) your choice as to, you know. Yes, you can bang a bear. Like, what lands you in horny jail? Like, I'm not into bestiality, but if you are a druid, you can can totally be a bear and be a bear. You can be a bear. I'm, I'm, I, and, and class druid. I could be a dragonborn druid. You could be a bear bear. Sold. You could be a bear. You know, you could be a boy that's into boys that's also a bear, literally. Uh, um, or you could just uh, be, uh, a, be a dragon bear. Dragon bear. There you go. 
What is there an? I wonder um, is there an owlbear form? Because that would be hilarious. Um. Well, owlbear is an actual creature in D and D, so I imagine there is for druid. Well, I mean, I just fought one, so I know owlbears exist in this universe. I mean, at, at certain levels, druids could pretty much turn into every animal, every animal monster in the game. So. You, you, I'm I'm rerolling my uh, my campaign right now, just so that I can be a dragonborn druid. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, if I remember druids, but, there's a lot of choice with druids, so you kind of kind of have to figure out how you want to play it. Uh, but yes. And, uh, that that is a full warning out to everybody though there is nudity there is sex be sure to disable those things in the settings if you're going to play the game around kids and i don't know that you can disable the sex i think you can disable the scenes but not what happens if that makes sense and yes yeah 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 basic basically it just uh um, if you completely disable the nudity in the settings, I don't even think it necessarily cuts those any parts of those scenes out as much as it just puts the game's default underwear back on the characters. Yeah, I mean, that's the fact that it can happen. Like, I'm at an age where that's not really a big turn on for me, the sex scene, so to speak, but um, it's there. There's a lot of interesting conversations. I feel like I was telling Rusty earlier, I was like, you can be friendly. Just know that sometimes you can be so friendly that, you know, it leads to something you didn't expect. So just hit five before conversations. <laughs> so it's like, no. I just thought we were bros. I'm... And then they were like, oh, I took that a whole different way. I wanted to be more than bros. <laughs> <laughs> So, yep. depending how uh, you want to RP, like, there's a lot of options. I'll just say there's all the options for all of the RP is here. So, everything goes. Everything goes. <laughs> um, and in the spirit of another everything goes game, um, based on the popularity of the Witcher Netflix series, um, last week... Uh, the author of the novels, um, Andre, I will not try to say his last name. It starts with I like an S and a, it. It's like an S or yeah, something, right? like Sapkowski, I think. Yeah. Uh, he has, he actually confirmed this last week that he's uh, working on, working on a new novel for oh. the series. That's interesting. That will, that will, uh, come out either late next year or early 2025 which i'm kind of excited for because he's not done anything for that since he finished the uh new short stories like more than a decade ago um that'd be interesting i i finally decided that i wasn't going to get back to that game for a while and was trying to save hard drive space because it's such a big game that, you know, obviously I saved my save, but, like, I finally removed that from my hard drive because I'm just not going to play it. I don't foresee myself playing it until after October. So, 
um, and finishing out the game that I got that I still have like 40 hours left of. Um, right. I will say something just kind of random too. Um, Killer Instinct was on Game Pass 10 years ago. It's getting a free update. Um, so if you're still playing Killer Instinct on Game Pass, uh, they're adding additional additional content as well as a balance update, improved matchmaking, and 4K support for the Series X and S. Uh, more more information coming soon. That was posted yesterday. It is August 5th today. Um, nice. Also, also something, too. Um, mm-hmm. This was a year of game delays, just like last year's year game delays. Um, very shortly, um, August 7th at 8 a.m. Pacific time, which is what? Monday. Devolver has something called Devolver Delayed, where they're going to go through everything that they're <laughs> moving out to next year. <laughs> and Devolver is kind of hit and miss, but I will say they're usually the most innovative when it comes to gameplay ideas. Like, it doesn't all land, but the stuff that does land is pretty good. So, I'm looking forward to that. And by next week, when we do our follow-up podcast, we'll have some ideas as to what Devolver was up to. Um, yeah. It's, it's, it's just... Devolver delayed. I mean, Devolver is unique when it comes to any anything that they put out. I will. I is, will say, as personally for the show, um, Devolver has been the friendliest developers that I ever encountered. Like going up, being a very small show, right? Like Devolver's done an intro for us twice. Mm-hmm. Um, so, like Devolver's kind of, I'm a little bit biased towards what they do, just because of how they treat others. Um, you know, nobody's too big, too small for them to interact with you and, uh, you know, give you a little bit of a scoop on something. Um, and also they have an incredibly crass sense of humor. Everybody is sarcastic as fuck at their booth. Um, and it's fantastic. So if you're ever at PAX, like I always make a beeline for the Devolver booth because those guys are great. Um, one other thing, just in passing um we were talking a little bit about zelda i'm not as much of a zelda fan anymore i could go on for a very long time in fact i went on for about 30 minutes last night with some friends about zelda but if you are into zelda tears of the kingdom so far has surpassed 18.51 million units sold and right now the switch is at 129.53 million sold million units sold so obviously like zelda is doing gangbusters for them but i think that's also because the switch has like seven good games so um when your flag, your tent pole game, apparently a lot of people like it, right? Um, selling game bust, gangbusters uh, because there's just nothing else to play on Switch. So, um, in fact, Baldur's <laughs> Gate 1 and 2, I believe. No, not Baldur's Gate. What else was like a fucking dinosaur game that's getting released on Switch? Gothic, the original, is getting a Switch port. What? Oh, yeah, God. That, that game came out. That game's janky as fuck, A. And B <laughs> came out like 20 years ago. Um, there's a couple of cool things about that game, but it's it's dated as fuck. I don't, and that's what you get on Switch. There's all the Nintendo hate. Um, <laughs> I apologize. Just felt like a really lackluster investment for me since there was almost nothing I could play. They still haven't released a fucking new Metroid, so that's on them for not winning me over. Um, oh, for yeah. There's also that there's a uh, there's a rumor that they're going to remake Red Dead Redemption finally for Nintendo Switch, Red Dead Redemption One. 
you know, everything old is still old again. Is is old again and now on your Switch. Or you can just play it on your Steam Deck, just going to say. Right. And play the proper version on Steam Deck that doesn't look like shit. Um, I'm kind of out of news. <laughs> um, what do you guys got? Because <laughs> now I'm just realizing I'm just like punching down to Switch. Like, I don't mean to... I don't mean to punch down at you, Switch. There are some good things about you, um, but not enough good things for me to want to spend another 350 bucks on something I'll barely use. I mean, uh, my my Switch is still gathering dust, man. It's, it's, it's bad. I mean, Jason <laughs> finds some good stuff, and we still, you know, all the I new mean, things aren't going to come out to it, right? Like, Armor Core 6 comes out in, like, two or three weeks like i think it comes out while you're down here rusty yeah uh, um i'm not i'm going to be playing boulders gate 3 for the foreseeable future i don't know if i'm going to be able to play something uh like uh fires uh fires of rubicon um and boulders gate at the same time um because yeah. what that's what killed me on uh Divinity Original Sin 2. The game is just too, you know, that game was just too long. And as soon as something new came out and I went and played that, I could never get myself back into it. Well, and it comes it comes out the Friday. So, you know, getting into our personal lives, like we're going to do a, a LAN party day. Um, the Friday mm-hmm. that that comes out, like I likely will not be playing Armored Core 6 while everybody else is playing Diablo around me, right? Like that'd be rude. Um, and I don't know if there's any benefit to Matt, uh, to pre-ordering it, right? Like, I'm going to wait until I have time to play it before I pick it up. But it's obviously on my radar. Like, I'm a FromSoft kind of a fanboy. Right? I like most well, things yeah. FromSoft. And, and I know that it was going to be a game that I'd play because uh, I just, I mean, I played Armored Core about the same time as when I was playing um, Warrior. Um, you know, like the old versions on the PC, I played uh, Armored Core on, I think it was PlayStation. Um, and I loved it. I like that. That game was just faster. Like it, it moved faster. It felt more like it felt like Mike Warrior meets like a uh, uh, dogfight simulator in, in, in a way because it had the like the square reticle on a screen. You could set up the mechs the way that you wanted to uh and you were jetting around a little a little bit faster than the slow plotting fucking like you know mech warrior mechs right yeah it's more like you're a ninja mechs like that's a big difference and it's supposed right. to it's going to be hard um armor core has always been very difficult so that doesn't surprise me and then there's going to be a lot of like customization of your mech it's going to be very much not to even be using a pun, but it, the, it's going to be a core gameplay game, not a story-based game, which is kind of where FromSoft really shines is in their core gameplay loops. So mm-hmm. they, they did pretty good with Elden Ring and it being the most stories, had a, having more story to the game that was comprehensible. But beyond that, like it's that's not where it's going to shine. It's going to shine in the fact that you're going to have fucking crazy ass mechs that are super customizable shooting missiles all over the place and dodging shit and again it'll be like a uh you know playing a an agility build in elden ring 
um, while shooting, you know, your space lasers and your missiles and all that other shit. It's it's going to be just, you know, plain ass fun. Uh, that's that's the thing. MechWarrior, you know, has a lot of the political intrigue and shit. Uh, and if I remember correctly, Armored Core was just corporations going at it. Yeah, it's like, just it's corporations, and then like you know, I don't know how they'll tie in your your pilot to the main story. This isn't Gundam where it kind of deals more and a lot more with the personal stories of the characters. This is going to be about big robot battles and lots yeah. of them. So, I don't know. We we will it's, play it. We're going to be stuck on it. It comes out between Baldur's Gate and freaking Starfield. Like those are it's two going to get played. It's just going to be. It'll, yeah, we'll see when may, we have time. It may take me till October to play Armor Core. I, like, I may <laughs> pick it up to try it out to give people a sneak peek of what it is. But I really want to get through a campaign of... I don't even know if I'm going to get through all of... There's no way I'm going to get through Baldur's Gate 3 before Starfield comes out. You just spent 20 hours into a 100-hour game. You're going to get through it. Yeah, we'll see. Anywho, does anybody have anything else? Because I feel like That's we're good. at a good a good point to, you know, go do things in the real world. Yes. Nope, I'm good. So with that, find us at TiltCast.com. Find us on Facebook and Twitter.com slash TiltCast. Our YouTube channel is YouTube.com slash TiltCast. And search for us on iTunes and Spotify. Subscribe. Find some friends of the show. We've got For the Love of Gaming. We've got BMFCast.com. Picking up the pixels or pupcast and tvgp.tv, they will also be playing Baldur's Gate. And with that, it's the end of the show. All right. Peace.